Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You heard the man. This is Tyler Schaff. We are here at the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And of course, I am your host. And I have a guest today. This one is going to be one of those episodes that you're going to want to share with a friend. You know somebody in your sphere that has been down this road that has felt like sometimes, you know, things just don't go your way. And sometimes this gets overwhelming. Sometimes this whole real estate game that we play, this investing game, this game we play called life just gets to be too much for us, becomes overwhelming. And today we're going to tell you a story. You're going to hear a story from a good friend of mine who you're going to, every time you think that you're having a bad day after you hear this story, you're going to think twice about that, right? You're going to realize that you don't actually have it that bad after all. You're going to put on your big girl pants and you're going to stand up and you're going to trudge on and you're going to do the right thing because that's exactly what he has done. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a good friend of mine, Jude Mendonca. Jude, are you with me? I am, sir. How are you? Good. How's the great state of Montana this week? Uh, cold, but no snow, so I can't complain. You know, until I met you and Jordan Payne, and guys, Jordan Payne, if you remember, he was back in, uh, I think it was episode 42 or something like that. He's the one of the owners, the uh, co-founders of the uh, Kingdom Real Estate. And I met Jude through Jordan Payne. Jordan Payne has become a social media icon, hadn't he? He's killing it. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, he's got the, uh, we're not talking about him today, but I do want to give him a shout out because we both love him to death. He's a good friend of both of ours. And he is the host of the, uh, the uh, Multifamily Mafia podcast. And Jude, you've got, you've started, we... We met at PodFest in person for the first time, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. What did you think about PodFest while I got you on that topic? Because it's coming around again. I know you're going to be out there in March, but uh, what do you it, think? What, what's your take on that? Man, it was so awesome. I actually had started a podcast before we went there and I went home, shut it down and erased everything and started over like so much knowledge, just so much incredible info. And I've made some awesome connections there. Obviously got to get closer, you know, with guys like you, Ed and Taylor Pugh. And it, it was a blast. I loved it. That's cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was, it's a game changer for me. And really it's what made me, it's what launched my entire business. I mean, that, that community, it's helped me build my team. It's just, it's unbelievable. And I can't, I look forward to going back every year. I'm going to be sitting on a panel, I think, this year doing some speaking or something or other, but I'm always looking forward to it. And guys, please make sure if you are looking to grow your business, if you are in real estate or any type of business that you need leads, you need a way to reach people, you ever thought about even starting a podcast or being a guest on a podcast, head over to podfestexpo.com, podfestexpo.com. Get yourself a ticket while they still have them. They're going to sell out. I know they did last year. Make sure you get yourself a ticket. Get over there. A couple hundred bucks is going to literally change your life. So with that, Jude, let's talk about you because that's really why I brought people on the show. Um, I like to talk about PodFest because my dear friend, he owns the whole setup and it's such a life-changing event for so many people. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> give, oh, him a, yeah. Yeah. give him a free shout out, a free commercial. But uh, Chris is doing great things over there. That he is, that he is. You. So you came to the kingdom. You're in real estate, right? You're, you're, uh, you're a real estate investor. You've got commercial properties, residential properties, all that. And, and you also have an import-export business. Can you tell us kind of a little bit about the, what the import-export thing is all about? Yeah. So the import-export, um, I'm co-owner of a company called WS Bay out of Shenzhen, China. And we that, that's our umbrella corp that owns a few different brands. One of the biggest ones being called CH Geek. And what we do is we manufacture and design our own products for uh, things like um, cellular accessories, uh, multi-port car chargers, things like that. And then we also do like portable battery packs, Bluetooth, headphones, just really all around in that whole like 
electronic space. If you think like Samsung, Sony, you know, we're trying to play with those guys. That's cool. So you're up there playing with the big boys and really you've got a, essentially it's a rags to riches story. I mean, you're, you've now achieved that you, I know that we've heard, we've, we call you in the kingdom, we call you the barefoot millionaire. <laughs> right. Because, you know, you are barefoot, you are a millionaire. <laughs> so those things do apply. right now, nothing else. <laughs> exactly. So at least that probably hasn't changed from being homeless. You're still wearing the same footwear, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so take me back there, Jude. Where did, the, where did that all that begin? I mean, you weren't always a guy that was running multinational companies and, and doing import, export, and trade, and real estate, and all this good mm-hmm. stuff, mentoring other people. And you get a coaching program now to help other folks get started, get out of their own way. Where did, where, what's, tell me about Jude. How did that start? So, you know, I had what I always thought was a really good childhood. Um, my parents loved me as best they can. I would never want to dismiss them or knock them down or anything. But as I've gotten older and looking back on things, I realized they weren't great parents. You know, my dad was a drug dealer who stayed at home. My mom tried to support us off of, you know, doing uh, hair. Um, my dad ended up getting raided one day while I was at school at six years old. Him and my mom went to jail. Uh, they ended up calling me from the jail, telling me they were out shopping for me to buy presents. <laughs> wow. um, he ended up beating that case, coming back. And then when I was 11, he got in trouble again and went on the run. Took my mom and my baby sister, who was about one years old at the time, with him. And, you know, kind of left me from there. Ended up staying with my grandma and all that, but a lot of that past stuff just coming through that. Uh, now that I'm older, I realized like my dad was very physically abusive, um, had some people in the neighborhood that were in other ways abusive and all that kind of weighed down on me. And, you know, through high school and stuff, wanted to be cool, wanted to kind of run away from all that. So got into drugs really bad. I realized uh, there was a lot of power and respect from vi- for vi- violent guys, you know, right. guys in the whole gang mentality and everything. So I started running that direction. Um, and yeah, it just led me down a really bad and dark path. It got all the way to the point where I started dealing with this club out of California, being in Montana, you know, we can buy guns like crazy. Like they just, people are selling them in the paper. So started picking up guns and this was way before sons of anarchy was a TV show people. So, um, I started taking them down to California and ended up getting in over my head, uh, got stabbed twice, got beat up really bad and kind of took a look at my life and was like, okay, if I'm going to go this route, you know, I have to be willing to go to prison. Right. I have to be willing to die and I have to be willing to kill people. And I just didn't feel that I was quite there. And one day was walking to work. I had this little restaurant job and I went into a McDonald's And there was this gentleman, I tell this story all the time because this was my awakening moment. There was this gentleman there, had to have been 45, maybe older, looked pretty ragged, and he was learning how to do the fry machine from some 15-year-old kid. Wow. Now, nothing against this gentleman. Obviously, he was trying to get his life on track. He's got a job, you know, great for him. But I said at that moment, I'm not going to be that guy. I went home, called my grandma and an uncle of mine, had them come to town, pick up all my stuff because they lived way out of town, right. had them take it all to their place. And I moved in underneath an underpass. And this was winter in Montana. Oh, that was wow. right next to the restaurant I was working at. Dropped all my friends, you know, completely got rid of my circle, quit doing drugs. And I slept that whole winter outside while I just worked and just focused on becoming better each day. 
from there, I started analyzing things, you know, because I didn't even finish high school. I didn't have any mentors, anybody to look up to. I didn't know any rich people. So I started analyzing, well, what do all rich people have in common? You know, what's the easiest thing I could get into? And I realized real estate. And the only thing I knew about real estate was, you know, buying something, fixing it and flipping it. So got a job with my uncle learning construction that led to a different job doing construction, learned a ton of stuff and started building up my knowledge from there. Um, around 2009, I was 25 years old. I ended up having my first opportunity to open my first business, which was I went into the medical marijuana field, made millions of dollars. The state changed the law. We literally lost everything overnight. I started back over with $7,000. Wow. <laughs> Me and a buddy took that money, um, moved into the back of a retail location and started a cell phone store. I had a wife with two kids living in Billings. I moved to a town three hours away where we could start this store, living off $5 a day to feed me and him. We slept on the back of the store, got it up and running, turned that into another you know, million dollar company spread from Montana all the way to Washington. And from there, I started getting into real estate because real estate was always on my mind. I was just never in the position to do it. And I didn't have any of the creative uh, financial intelligence to do anything with it before then. Bought my first apartment complex, you know, used some of my own cash. After that, I started learning things, did some rich dad books that a buddy of mine introduced me to. He actually took me to a rich dad course and started buying properties and learned about cash flow. And here I am today. Take me back to that first night that you're under the bridge. You know, all this thing has come crashing down. You've left your friends. You're, you're jumping out into a whole new way of doing things. It's a bold move. It's a scary move, right? Oh, 100%. Um, that first night, I wanted to give up and go back to the house I was living in and see my roommates and hug them and tell them, you know, I was dumb and let's right. get high. So bad. Um, I didn't even sleep under the underpass that first night. I had no blankets or anything. The back dock, if any of you have ever seen the back dock of a restaurant, you know it's covered in grease, got the trash oh, yeah. cans, everything. I slept on the back dock and it was so cold that I dug in the garbage cans and pulled out a bunch of the cardboard boxes and wrapped myself up in them. Wow. <laughs> it just it probably wasn't the smartest thing, right. but it was what I had to do to succeed. You know, I had to I had to suffer so I knew that I didn't want to suffer that I would go after what was more comfortable. You know, it's like sitting in your house. It's too hot. You get up, you turn the AC on. Right. So I needed to get myself uncomfortable. Wow. So you, you put yourself in that position to get uncomfortable because, you know, the choices that you made after that, frankly, take a bigger set of balls than anything that I have probably done in my entire life. Um, being able to step away from that, look back at that and go, no, this isn't for me. And then take the, the action to, to essentially get off your ass and, and really get motivated. And I mean, good Lord, man, you start a business. And then, of course, the marijuana business fails because of the law, right? Right. You, you're essentially seven grand away from being right back under the bridge again. You know, you, you take another beat down. It's, 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 it's mind blowing to me. I, I commend you for having the balls to stand up and say, not this time, buddy, not me. I'm going to continue driving. Right. What, what was it that made you go for this? So you, you, you get out from underneath the bridge, you do the marijuana business, you turn the million dollar business. Obviously that's a change of lifestyle for you. Yeah. It, yes and no. Um, so we limited ourselves. We were only paying ourselves 30 grand a year right. because we were reinvesting. We thought it was going to be around long term. 
Right. And that's why when it shut down, we lost everything because we had just started opening up two more stores, which was going to put us at five stores. And we had just sunk all our money into two new warehouses. So okay. we, we, we were reinvesting and not just, you know, partying like so many other people do when they first get money. And in a way, it was good. We were able to pay off all the debt, everything like that when we sold everything out. But it, yeah, only left us with about $7,000 a piece, sadly. What made you decide to go from that into the cell phone store? How did that come about? Right. Well, as the whole weed thing was shutting down because we saw what was happening with the law and it happened really fast. But I, I'm not going to lie, you know, being an entrepreneur is not all rainbows and butterflies. Like there's ups and downs. And I was depressed, especially that was my first thing. You know, I had a wife, had a kid, had a kid on the way. And there were mornings I thought about killing myself. You know, it was, it was tough. It was like, I was a failure in losing everything. Um, started praying, started talking with some other people, and they really brought to my attention, like, again, look at some of the really wealthiest people and actually study them and see the falls and stuff they've went through. And when you do that, you actually realize, like, everybody fails. It's a part of it. Right. You know, so that helped open my eyes that, hey, it's okay. I failed that doesn't mean I'm a failure. You know, it doesn't have to stop here. I've done it once so I can do it again. Well, with that, I had a buddy who owned uh, the same type of cell phone store as what we did. And he was like, Hey, you know, if you want to get something like this going, I'll train you up, come on in. So it, it just, an opportunity came up to do it. So trained under him for a while. Uh, you know, he said we needed about a hundred grand to get a store open, get everything going. Uh, that seven grand I actually took, gave to my wife so she could live off of. We borrowed 10 grand from a friend. And so we went and opened the store with $10,000. <laughs> instead of the 100 grand. <laughs> yeah, instead of the 100 grand. And, you know, we just struggled and hustled. Like, it, it was hard the first six months. It was really hard. But you, you, you fight. You work. Well, you push it. You know, that kind of goes to show you that somebody's inst- estimation of it cost 100 grand to do this. And you can prove that you did it for 10% of that. Right. I mean, yes, you you had to the sweat equity probably made up the other ninety thousand, and then <laughs> because when people say it's a hundred grand, it's really two hundred grand. <laughs> well, right. oh, that won't cost but ten grand. Yeah, right. And ninety grand later, <laughs> and we're done. But it says a lot about you being able to to continually pick yourself up and restart. So, to the new entrepreneur, let's let's switch over to the real estate space for a second. I don't want to downplay the importance of what you, what you were able to do with the, by any means with the marijuana business and the cell phone business, because again, that in itself is, is huge. Those are big accomplishments. Real estate though, at least for me going into it originally, originally because of the value of the individual asset, it was very intimidating. What, what how did you overcome that intimidation that, you know, to be able uh, to ask for the business? You know, so again, it's a, uh always had that mindset. That's what all wealthy people do. The one thing they all have in common, you know, every billionaire millionaire is in real estate in some shape or form. So I had a yearning for that. Um, I was scared of it and never tried to do it though until my buddy, he took me to a rich dad course. We ended up flying out to Chicago, met all these people, you know, went through this big long weekend thing. I mean, it was like 40 hours over a weekend or something, just nonstop from right sun up to sundown and took in all this info. And, you know, once, once you have that financial education, you know, once you're pulled out of the matrix and you see how money works, it, you become hungry for it. Like I, I wanted to go do something then. And now I wanted to get something done because 
I wanted cash flow. I wanted freedom. You know, I wanted equity. I wanted everything they were talking about. And they made it seem so easy. You know, you don't need any money. Right. You, you just find somebody else's money or you just ask the people, hey, you know, let's give you some payments. You know, let's turn you into the bank. It just, it, it became so simple after that fact. And so it was just chasing and trying to find the right deal. Um, that did slow me down. I didn't understand how to go uh, create a deal properly. You know, I didn't have enough education for that. So right. I had a lot of bumps and bruises along the way until I closed my first apartment building. But um, what, what sorry, go for it. I'm sorry. What do you say to the guy that or girl that, you know, they're just getting started and like you just said, they don't have the, the deal structure advice. They don't have the money to pay a, a, a real estate coach or something like that. They're just getting started. They're kind of in that same situation you were. What do you say to them to help you? What, what, would you, what advice would you give to that beginning person to help them overcome that fear of initially asking for help? Um, you know, so many people are just so scared of the word no. And I've learned now that everything's negotiable. Everything. Um, I just got to work with one of the wealthiest men in the country. Uh, literally, guy's worth about five, six hundred million dollars. Owns part of an NBA team, wow. and I got to negotiate that. I couldn't afford to pay him as a mentor, but I negotiated it. Everything's negotiable. So if someone can't afford a mentor, you know, afford a coaching program, anything like that. Try and negotiate with them. Bug them. Show them you're hungry. Show them you want it. You know, people, people like, I'm going to throw Tyler under the bus here. People like Tyler, they love seeing people succeed. They love helping people, but people who actually want to help themselves and do the work. So prove that, you know, find somebody, somebody even in your local area and just bug them. Hey, I can't afford to pay you, but I can take you to lunch. Can I pick your brain? Can I just get some info? and they see that hunger, they're going to start working with you. They're going to start helping you. And once you get the knowledge, it makes everything else easier. Once you have that knowledge, you have no problem going up to somebody going, hey, you know, I see you have this problem here. Let me show you some ways I can help you with it. Let me know what you think. And it's okay to be told no, you know, be prepared for that. It takes 20 no's for a yes. And or 20 no's for what, a couple yeses. And now those couple yeses, you only get one that's real or whatever. Like, No's are part of the game, no matter what you do. You know, if we focused on the no, you know, the whole population would quit breeding because women love to tell men no, but exactly. men are dumb. You know, we, we don't accept no. So don't do that in business either. Don't accept no. Keep moving forward. Keep asking. Well, you know, when I ask people to that point, I ask people, I like, what's, what's the end result of no? Let's talk about no for a second. Let's, you know, you, you get rejected. They say no. What happens? Do you die? Well, no. Right. <laughs> do, you, do you fall down? Do you, do you have a heart attack? Are you, do you, what happens? Does something, does a plane come from the heavens and slam into your house? <laughs> you know, what, what happens when somebody says no? It's, it's a word, right? Right. And another word, and, and, and to some degree, it's a gateway. It's a catalyst to a yes, because I firmly don't believe that you can get to a yes without experiencing a couple of no's along the way to your point. Yeah, I've never had my first one be a yes, so. <laughs> well, when I have, it never worked out the way I thought it would, that's for sure. It's like I, I get skeptical, like, well, that was way too easy, so brace yourself, here it comes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, anytime it's easy, there's a lot of back-end stuff that's coming to slap you. Exactly. And you said a very, very powerful word a few minutes ago. You used the word simple, but I noticed you didn't use easy. Oh, right, right. Because would you agree that it's not 
easy, but this really what we do is simple. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, it, it, it's simple in the fact like you just write out, you know, follow this plan. You know, whatever plan it is, whatever you work out with any mentor, coach, whatever thing you subscribe to, you just follow the plan and it's simple. It works out. As long as you do the work, you do the steps. It can't be any more simple than that. It's not easy though. There's going to be no's. You know, there's going to be unforeseen things. There's going to be bumps and bruises along the way. You know, I've had deals that have gone through, made me tons of money, been awesome. I've had other deals that have gone through. They've been complete headaches and I'm smashing my head against the wall until they work out. Exactly. This stage of the game, you've took on your first apartment building. What was that like, that feeling? How does that compare oh, to the other businesses? Man, I was a peacock after that. <laughs> All my friends were looking at me and, you know, because um, 2012, I was in two car accidents, 30 days apart. I actually lost part of the use of my right arm and everything. So I haven't bought a car since then. Um, I hitch rides everywhere. I borrow the wife's minivan. So out of nowhere, I buy this apartment building. No one even knew that I was at that level or even able to do anything like that. And all of a sudden, it changed people's perspectives of me. Now people are starting to ask me questions. They're reaching out to me. They're wondering what's going on in my world. You know, they knew I was kind of successful in business, but I didn't show anything off. So right. they didn't know how successful I was. But yeah, I, I, I felt pretty good after that. I'm not going to lie. You know, there was a, there, there was some peacocking moments. You know, now, was, that, was that one of those things where you just walked in there with a checkbook and stroked him a check? Or what the, what, how did that deal kind of shake out. I don't need the particular numbers necessarily, but how did it happen? Was it your own money or did you? And here, here's again where I wish I would have been, you know, had proper financial and creative education with real estate because this gentleman I could have negotiated with and had him owner finance the whole deal. I didn't know that at the time. So I did talk him down a ton. Um, I talked him down about 175 grand from where he had it at. And I did put cash down, you know, cash that I had saved up and been putting aside just for that specific sort of thing. You know, instead of buying cars, I knew I wanted real estate. I want to be on a beach, you know, I'm getting old, I'm tired. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, I did put a check down. A year later in a different town, Laurel, Montana, uh, there was a 14 unit that was up for sale right. and it was by the same guy. And by this time I was financially creative and I went after that. Well, Jordan Payne was also going after it and he ended <laughs> up uh, offering more money than I did. So, <laughs> but yeah, he, he ended up getting that. But that one I was totally working as a creative deal because, you know, then I understood and Jordan ended up picking up that second apartment complex from that guy, you know, creatively, the guy owner financed it. So again, learn. You know, you'll save so much money. That money I threw on that first apartment could have bought me so many other places if I would have known. Instead of just throwing it on one, I could have had, you know, four or five different complexes. I didn't realize the competition was so fierce in Montana, but the more I think about it, it's like, what do you guys have, like eight apartment buildings in the whole state? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Whose turn is it to own this one? It's not mine. Jordan, you need to sell it to me because you've had it for two years now. Let someone else play with it. (laughs) Well, what's great was we were both working with the same real estate agent too. Right. And she ended up saying something about the other guy's offer. And I was like, there's only one other person in this state as smart as me. So I messaged Jordan real fast. I'm like, hey, are you going after this building? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. It's even funnier that he paid more than you. 
<laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I would have been impressed. Now, knowing Jordan, I'm surprised that he didn't get the deal and then pay less than you because he's a pretty savvy dude. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> not that you're not, but he's no he's no slouch himself. It's like he's that guy that would get it for a hundred grand less. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm incredibly cheap. Once you get to know me, you're like, oh man, like who comes up with those sorts of numbers? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. If I don't embarrass somebody or or, or insult them, then I know I've left money on the table. Right. <laughs> I am the guy that, that has done the $1 offer. We started a dollar and go from there. Oh my gosh. That's all. I, I'm going to add that into my repertoire now. I like that. Got to brother. They giggle and laugh. And then I sit there with a straight face and <laughs> they get immediately uncomfortable. It's like, Oh good. Now that you're uncomfortable, let's negotiate. <laughs> what do you think about that? Mr. So-and-so and they don't like it, but it is what it is. You know? Right. What do you say to the person that's thinking, dude, you've, I don't have any money. I want to own apartment buildings. I don't have money to hire anybody to train me. You know, I'm, what if, what happens if, how do I get the first seller to even talk to me? What are they, are they going to, aren't they going to qualify me when I go in and I knock on the door? Are they going to, are they going to run me through the ringer? Did you have that experience with your seller? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, you know, I've only ever run into one deal that wanted to qualify me. And that's actually a multi-million dollar building I'm working on right now. And the only reason the guy's trying to qualify me was he ended up getting burned by somebody else, one of his competitors, I guess. But beyond that, I mean, especially at the beginning, no, you know, just talk to people, ask questions, find out where they're at, build a relationship. When you build rapport with someone, that's how you qualify yourself. You know, you're not qualifying your checkbook. You're qualifying who you are and how you can help them with their problem. That's right. Um, the other thing is to do this and do it right, we're not looking for deals on the MLS. You know, you need to be finding people with problems and helping them. And that's going to lead to it. That's how you're going to be qualified. You're helping people. Find them and find them a solution. Love that. That's good advice right there. Now, I wish we could get everybody to believe that and follow it. It'd be outstanding because I'm telling you, I need to just put that on my tattooed on my forehead to get maybe people. <laughs> like, guys, why are you focused on what's on the market? Why are you focused on the wholesaler? Go find some problems. Oh, there is a problem. The wholesaler needs to unload it. Right. But, you know, the guy didn't even, the guy's got three nickels to his name and he's trying to wholesale a 700 unit apartment building. He doesn't even have it under contract. Oh, man. But it is what it is, right? That comes up. So tell me about, I've never dealt with any wholesalers yet. So that, that sounds interesting to start running into in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you start looking outside of Montana, you're going to run into all kinds of that stuff, I imagine. You probably got them there, but they probably know better than to mess with you because <laughs> they know you're not going to waste the time. It isn't going to be wasted, that's for sure. Right. Well, most of the wholesalers up here, either me or Jordan, have helped train. So <laughs> Exactly. They know better. What is uh, the next step look for you? I know you, you've gotten into the coaching. We When we were talking at PodFest, um, I was telling you that I thought it would be a good idea for you to get into the coaching. And I think you've taken that advice. You've got into public speaking and coaching and what's that looking like for you? Right. So that's, that's our main focus now. You know, the China company is up and running, doing well. Uh, we're in, uh, what are we at? We're in seven countries now internationally. Um, real estate's going wonderful. We've got team built up for that. We're growing instead of looking at another bit commercial building right now. But my main focus right now is to start adding value and helping other people, getting back out there and, you know, trying to change the world in that way. I think the only way we're actually going to better the country and for our future generations is if we create more entrepreneurs. So that's our focus right now. Um, there's a team of us working together, uh, me, my girl, Karen, um, my guy, Ian, and we're building the Freedom Experience, which is also the podcast that I run with a partner named Russ. But the Freedom Experience, what we're doing is a focus on married couples or the business um, father, mother that has the life at home. 
And we're working with them on teaching them how to be successful in business, how to be successful in real estate, but also how to balance the problems with the home life and be the successful mother, the successful father, husband, wife, and balance everything out. That's one thing I've noticed from a lot of other entrepreneurs that I work with is they sacrifice their kids. They sacrifice their marriage. You know, things fall apart at home because they're so into chasing the dollar and chasing the success. True success is getting that freedom and building the life at home, building those children up to who they need to be, building your spouse up to who they need to be. And, you know, seeing the goal out together as a family. And so many people are missing that. You know, you see it all the time. Like I grew up with friends that never got to see their parents because both parents work. You know, that's a huge part of the real estate. Why do people need to get into real estate? So you have freedom. So you don't miss little Susie's dance recital. So you don't miss little Billy's game. So our goal is to work with people and get them on track for that. You know, rebuild the American family with the American dream. So you're essentially fixing the situation from the inside out. You're starting it, which is brilliant in my opinion. I love that approach. Right. You know, yeah, one hundred percent. Because there's there's a huge problem, and it's plaguing society because of that. I think you know, not to go political here, but why do we have school shootings? Why do we have so much violence in high schools? You know, why are these kids lost and going the directions they are? Well, I was one of those kids. I didn't have a father at home. I didn't have a mother at home. I didn't have people leading me that. I could look up to people to rely on and, you know, follow. So we need to rebuild that structure. You know, I wish there was a way that we could send a bill to the people that didn't take the time to parent their kids. It's like, okay, so you didn't parent your kid, you, you know, you got to pay your taxes, but you also got to pay the shitty parent tax so that the, re the rest of us that have to raise your kid for you so they don't become a statistic in society, we can actually, you know, pay our rent or mortgage rather. <laughs> Darn straight. I like that. It should be a whole new tax, right? I don't think that would definitely have to be, a, that would be a tough one to sell. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. It would just be a tough one. <laughs> right. They're always screaming, no new tax. And I hear I come going, hey, if you were a crappy parent, you're going to have to pay a tax. <laughs> Half the politicians in the room would probably be leaving going, damn, I can't afford it either. <laughs> right? <laughs> tax me for that. But I like that. I like the fact that, well, with, with my group coaching, one of the things that I've started doing with this last group is encourage the spouses to join us. Yeah. I think you hit a very important point is that if you, if you don't, if you skip over that part, if you don't bring the spouse into the equation, I know the kingdom does that as well. They bring the spouses in like John and Wendy Williams mm -hmm. and so that they can experience the situation together. They can grow together as a couple. Then of course that bleeds over to the kids. Like I just use John and Wendy because they're front of mind, good people, good friends of ours. Right. And then they can do the same with their kids, right? Help their kids achieve financial freedom before they even got shackled by the, the financial handcuffs, so to speak. So I think it's all good. Right. Well, and that's one thing, you know, um, obviously me, I'm Christian. And one of our beliefs is, you know, if we're both following God, moving towards God on a triangle, you know, the husband and wife, you become closer together. You know, right. you pinch towards that. It's the same thing with goals, business, anything like that. If you're building it all on your own, you're going to move away from the rest of your family. But if you all get in into it together, you know, and not just with the business stuff, all your life goals, you know, where do we want a vacation? You know, what do we want to do here? Put all that together in your whole family. You'll all start moving towards it together. Man, you're going to have a marriage that no one's going to believe how awesome it is. You're going to have children that are going to be so amazing. People aren't going to understand how awesome they are. Absolutely. Judy, if somebody wants to talk to me, now you started the podcast, the Freedom Experience podcast, and that's you and another gentleman, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And you guys are, you're on iTunes and Stitcher and all that good stuff? Yep. Yep. All right. And so they just look up Freedom Experience and they can reach out to you via that podcast, right? Yeah. They, yep. They can hit us on there. Um, and also find me on Facebook, uh, The Barefoot Millionaire or... 
even my personal page, I think it's just Jude Mendon. So you can find me. I'm the best looking guy on there. So when I'm not on there or just in general, <laughs> in general, in general, right. bold move, Mr. Bold move. <laughs> Barefoot millionaire on Facebook. You'll get out to Jude. Jude, if I want to talk to you, is that the best way to reach out to you? If they want to maybe look into your coaching, do you have a, is it a coaching program is more like a one-on-one -on -one or a two-on-one -on -one type of situation or group or what's that look like? So we have a couple different things. Everything is launching mid-January, but right now I've been working with people one-on-one -on -one, so they can reach out to me through there. Just send the message. My assistant, she runs all that and then she, you know, pre-qualifies everybody and then gets them connected to me because obviously there's a lot of people who reach out that say they want it and really don't. So right. you're not selling the easy button, I guess, are you? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> yeah. I'm not just going to take everybody's money. I don't want that. I want people who want it. Exactly. Got to have to, got to, got to, want it got to need it to be able to make it happen that's absolutely correct so i gotta say man i commend what you're doing i commend the journey that you've done and the troubles that you've managed to to survive through can't imagine i gotta i gotta say i've never been through anything even close to that i've had a rather gifted existence i guess you could say i you know shame on me but <laughs> it's I, i'm glad to it's an honor to know you and it's an honor to support what you're doing i really appreciate what you're doing for the the people out that are out there that have the balls to make a change right for sure for sure i think that you you know, the, what you're doing because you've experienced it puts you in, a, in an amazing position to be able to help a lot of people. So two thumbs up for that. How can the uh, Cashflow Guys community help you? What can we do to to help your cause? Um, oh boy, sorry. That's that's a question I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I didn't think about that. that was a left field one, right? Well, I can, yeah. I, can, I can think of a couple of things. I bet you if they head over to your your uh, podcast and start opting into that and listening to that, start yeah. to get some of that information from you. Yeah. yeah, get over there. You know, Give us some lis listens. If you like it, please help support that movement and tell your friends some reviews and all that. But yeah, go give us a check. Uh, the first few episodes, a little shoddy. You can tell it took us a little bit of time to get our groove, you know, our speaking together and everything. But these last few, man, we are, we're getting it together and we're, we're bringing some content for people. So have you heard my first 40 episodes? <laughs> <Something>, yeah. <laughs> you got nothing to apologize for. <laughs> I think the first four, I was talking into the wrong end of the microphone, but that's a whole other story, right? Oh man. <laughs> Stupid beer. <laughs> 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 All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and add some value to my audience. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it there. I hope you got some value out of this. If you didn't, frankly, you weren't paying attention. You weren't listening. You want to take action, get to the next level, get on Facebook, search Barefoot Millionaire, get over to this podcast, the Freedom Experience podcast, available probably on all the podcast channels. Take in the information, learn, listen and learn. Guys, every time I don't listen to the radio anymore, I'm always taking in podcasts, taking audiobooks. I'm always constantly learning and that's how I take my business and my family to the next level. I suggest you do the same. Jude, thanks so much for coming out. I appreciate it. Thank and you, I, Tyler. It was wonderful. And have a great one, folks. If you haven't already, make sure you head over to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. That gets you into our Facebook group. I'm going to add Jude to that group if he's willing and uh, bring him over there as well. That's yeah. another way for you to reach out to him and he can take advantage of that opportunity as well. And lastly, uh, I've reinstituted the Ask Tyler program. So if you want to get, get unstuck, you want to get a strategy call, kind of figure, figure out where you're at, head over to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. That's cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. That will send you over to my appointment book. It'll give you an opportunity to sit down with me for free. No, no catch, no gimmicks. We're going to sit down and talk about anything you want to talk about. Help you get unstuck, help you get refocused, set the rails, get you in the right direction and uh, move you on to the next level in life. So with that, folks, have a great week and we'll catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. 
Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race. Contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.